Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, an online marketing educator, leader of an incredible global community of female entrepreneurs and a content creator based in Melbourne, Australia. This show is designed to bring you practical strategies and candid real stories of entrepreneurs to help you make marketing, mindset and money your superpowers. Let's get into the show. Well, hey, and welcome back to the show. Now, I have to say a massive thank you to those that have reached out and got in touch after listening to the episode, which was with Anita Seek interviewing me. And this came out last week. So if you scroll back a couple of episodes, you're going to find that one. And this is actually a chat that Anita and I had for her podcast. And I was getting a lot of beautiful messages when people were hearing it. And I thought, right, I want to make sure that you guys can hear it too. So if you haven't listened, go take take a bit of a tune in to that one. And Anita and I chatted about really what business has looked like and also the intersection between our mental health and also the work that we do. So if that sounds of interest to you, go take a listen. And thank you to everyone that's given some really lovely feedback and also who shared that hearing me talk about these kind of things that aren't necessarily the flash and amazing stuff has really helped you know that you're not alone. And I know that for me, when I listen to podcast episodes that perhaps only cover the really amazing stuff, I can feel a little bit unfulfilled and I can wonder, well, what about, what about the challenges? What about what else was going on behind the scenes there? So I'm glad that me kind of opening up a little bit and sharing some of these things resonating with you and helping you as well. Okay. Let's talk about the amazing guest today. She is Anna Smale. She's a Melbourne-based marriage celebrant and MC, and she's one of the beautiful ladies inside the Modern Marketing Collective, which is my online program and coaching community. And Anna has built her business from the ground up to now run it full time. In this episode, you're going to hear what first interested Anna about becoming a celebrant about four years ago now, the different activities that Anna thanks for helping her to actually attract her first clients. And these are ones that we can all apply ourselves. Also, these different revenue streams that Anna has more recently introduced to her business. There's two really, really cool ones that I think may inspire you as well. And then what percentage of each of these different revenue streams actually make up her business. We also talk about the toughest time in her business so far and how she is navigating COVID-19 from the event industry perspective. We looked at the role that social media has played in Anna's business growth and the strategy that Anna has used to double her inquiry rates. And she did that in one month. And then also how Anna increased her conversion rates. So people that were getting in touch to inquire about working with her or booking with her for their weddings and events, how she got this up to 90%. And Anna also shared what she wished she knew if she could wind back the clock to where it all began. Anna loves bringing all the feels to weddings and events, and you can find her on Instagram at annasmailcelebrant and at annasmailcelebrant.com.au. And if you're serious about doing what Anna has managed to achieve, which is really taking that business to 
become a full-time income for her and doing the work that she loves, I want you to send me a message on Instagram at Emily Osmond and let's have a chat about how you can do this too. Well, Anna, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks, Emily. I'm excited to have you here and to tap into your business. For those that have never heard of you before, can you start off? Who are you? What do you do? Yeah, so hi, everyone. I'm Anna Smale and I'm a Melbourne-based marriage celebrant um, and also an events MC as well. So yeah, a little tricky space at the moment um, in terms of events and weddings, but um, we're still going, yeah, still ticking on. That's predominantly what I do in terms of the wedding and event industry. Definitely, yeah, an interesting time. So we will get to that. I also love to ask when I get uh, great people on what they are listening to or watching or reading right now. I always love to hear so I can pick up some suggestions. Um, Yeah, look, I've got a massive list of podcasts that I want to get to. Um, (laughs) I just haven't really got the time to, to sit down and relax, which is surprising. But in terms of watching, I've actually gone back to watching Sex in the City um, from the start. I just absolutely loved the series and it's been so long since I've watched it. Oh and it's gosh. just a bit fun and, and interesting at the moment. So I yeah, love I've, that. Gone, I've gone back to watching I that. I feel actually. like I'm going to do that too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've kind of, um, yeah, been keeping uh, away from the, I suppose, a lot of the wedding industry talk and, and things happening with the current environment. Just, yeah, mentally to switch off a little bit and focus on something that's a bit more fun and, and interesting. <laughs> I think it's a good point. I sometimes find I need to do that too. Stop listening to business stuff and just like do something that is n- like not productive. It's just fun. It's just for fun. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Just something for yourself. <laughs> exactly. So Anna, how, like, I don't even know, how long have you been a celebrant? Tell us, where did you get started with that? Have you always done this? What were you doing before? Yeah, so I've been a celebrant for four years now, um, almost close to five. And I've always been involved in kind of weddings and events, you know, lots of friends being married and being a bridesmaid and yeah, planning lots of events. And I've just always loved that area. And it was probably when I got married back in 2016 that meeting my celebrant, obviously prior to getting married and going through the process. And just loving really everything about weddings, um, you know, and meeting new people. Yeah, it kind of just felt really natural to do. And and my prior kind of backgrounds in corporate, you know, around training and development. So I'm kind of used to being up there and in front of people and public speaking. So it kind of just made sense to, to get into it. So yeah, I did the course and became registered and yeah, I haven't looked back. <laughs> Did you go full time into basically celebrant life or was there a bit of a transition there? Yeah, no, so there's a bit of a transition for me and and I do think it is quite difficult to to go into celebrancy full time. There are lots of celebrants that do it. They nail it and they get into it straight away, but I think it is a bit of a process like any business. It'll just kind of naturally grow. The more weddings you do, the more exposure you get. Yeah, so it took some time to kind of build up to that full-time capacity. And in saying that, I do some other things as well that kind of create my full-time capacity. So it's not just weddings. There's a little other things kind of here and there in the celebrancy and event world that I do. Can you talk us through them, those different kind of revenue streams in the business? Yeah, so obviously I'm, I'm maintaining the weddings and events industry, but I, yeah, use my kind of background in training and networking to create my own celebrant network in Melbourne. 
um, which is Southside Celebrants. So we've got about 55 members at the moment. And, yeah, it's just a nice little network where, yeah, you can meet other celebrants and kind of debrief and talk about certain things because, you know, it's just us in our business. We don't have staff and we don't have other people that we work with. So it's nice to, yeah, reach out to other celebrants and have a good little network there. And then, yeah, I've started training new celebrants as well. So having a background in training and assessment means I can then train in the certificate four in celebrancy. I love this. This is great. Yeah. And then through that, obviously, I've, I've picked up a couple of mentors here and there that want some mentoring from me, which is great. I mean, it's a great industry for me in terms of being able to, yeah, expand my services other than just, you know, marrying people and... I haven't really expanded into the funeral side of things for celebrancy. For me, I'm kind of at that point where weddings are, yeah, my priority and my kind of fun environment. I love that you've created kind of this ecosystem in your business. It is so, so cool. And also I love the idea of those networking groups or memberships that are just specific to the industry because it's just, I know, like I just have so much fun and chatting with people that have a similar business to me, like an online program. There's just like all these nuances that other people don't understand. And it, it's just fun to have those chats. So I can imagine for the celebrants in your membership or your community, having those other people that get it. And it's like, you can bounce ideas. That is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone is creative. So it's great to be able to share ideas and yeah, we really are a little community. And it's funny because lots of people say, well, you know, aren't they your competition? Aren't you kind of competing with them for the work? And yeah, I suppose we don't really see it that way. I mean, I can't marry everyone. (laughs) So, you know, I would much prefer uh, couples to pick a celebrant that, yeah, have those great connections and great support behind them that, you know, they're not just getting one celebrant, they're getting, you know, 50 odd I love that. And actually for listeners, if you go back to the episode just before this episode, I did talk all about competitors and copycats and what you've just shared there, Anna, about you physically can't marry like every couple in Australia or every couple even in Melbourne. So it's cool that you now are like, you know what, let's actually band together. We can refer to each other when we're maybe not the right fit or we don't have that date available. So good on you for actually recognizing that you're stronger together than trying to block out the people around you. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. So I'm curious to hear when you started taking on your clients, uh, do you call them clients or couples or? Yeah, clients, couples, usually. Yeah, couples is good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How did you find them or how did they find you? And could you talk us through, I guess, that first year that you were operating as a celebrant? What did that look like? Yeah, so I think just naturally with any business, but especially the wedding industry, it's all word of mouth. So it's really around who you network with and other suppliers. And yeah, in my first year, I think, yeah, most of the work I got was from other celebrants, just by me kind of reaching out and networking. As I said, yeah, a celebrant can't marry everyone. So it's great if they've got others to refer to when they're not available. So yeah, just building those connections for me kind of got those first couple of bookings And then from then, I was able to kind of invest a lot more in marketing, get myself out there as social media because, you know, I had the content. But yeah, essentially, it's a lot of word of mouth um, in the industry too. And how did you network with the other celebrants? Was it just through social media? Did you go to events? What did it look like? Yeah, pretty much both. Yeah, it was reaching out to celebrants that I knew were local to me. So yeah, people who were a couple of suburbs away or, or in that Mornington Peninsula area that I'm in. 
and then yeah going to events and just networking and I think that's just so important to to get out there and put yourself out there even you know if you are a bit of an introvert it's just worth getting out there and getting your name out there and people knowing who you are. I could not agree more. That's one of the biggest factors in my first year in business was getting myself out there in front of people for sure. So yeah, love that advice. How's your business changed? Because did you say about four years now you've been a celebrant? What's it look like over time? Yeah, look, it does grow, which is great um, because the more weddings you do, the more exposure you get to, to other people. So, you know, guests at weddings or other suppliers or venues, so it can grow quite rapidly. That's cool. You know, which I've experienced and that's been really great. And and it's all about just, yeah, how you put yourself out there and your marketing and what you provide just gets that traction in terms of being able to grow over the years. And then, yeah, as I said, you just got to be um, creative in what you do and, and where you want to expand your um, services to. Yeah, Do you think for you, I guess, to get the revenue of your own goals, do you think that would be possible from just just the celebrant bookings for weddings? Yeah, absolutely. Like there are definitely celebrants out there who who do close to 100 weddings a year and that creates their full-time income is purely just weddings. Um, And then there are other celebrants who, you know, who might do funerals or baby namings and other types of ceremonies. And I do the emceeing side of things too. So that's the additional stream. So It's great that we can be creative in the services we provide and that we can kind of set our own rules and boundaries of what we will and won't do. No, that's awesome. What would, if you're happy to share, kind of percentages around now with your different revenue streams? Is it like 50% is the celebrant bookings, 50% is from the other streams? What's that look like now? Yeah, I would say it's probably a yeah, yeah, 70 30 mix. Yeah, cool. um, so 70% is weddings. And I'm lucky that I can kind of cap my bookings now. So I'll do anywhere between kind of 50 to 60 weddings a year. And then I'm able to use, yeah, that other 30% from the other revenue, um, which I'm quite lucky to be able to do. You're not lucky. You've created it for yourself. (laughs) You're smart. I love it. I love it. So what do you think have been some of the biggest factors in the growth over the years? What, What have you really noticed has worked well for you? So I think definitely using the social media platforms because they're massive for the wedding industry. If you think about, you know, the kind of younger generation or those that are kind of in their 20s and starting to think about marriage and um, even those, you know, of us or me (laughs) in in your 30s, um, you know, if we're looking for a product or a service, we don't jump into Google anymore. You know, we jump into Instagram and that's where we're searching for these kind of products and services And so I think definitely that's really boosted the wedding industry and our marketing. So I think that's really, really helped over the last couple of years. And I've really noticed that from when I started and had an Instagram then to using it now and using it quite often really brings in that engagement and and sales, really. Do you find you're getting direct messages? What does it look like for you? Yeah, so lots of direct messages and lots of yeah inquiries through the website as well. But yeah, I find that the majority of them are saying they've found me on Instagram They've then jumped to my website and they've, they've gone through the inquiry there. So, yeah, it's such a powerful tool. It is because I, sometimes I'm like my, my Instagram inbox is 
like busier now than my actual email inbox. <laughs> so it's interesting. It's interesting. What are, cause I know you shared with me a few stats as well that you found when you've from some of your Instagram activities. Can you share a few of them with us? Yeah. And I think it was definitely a strategy I put into place when the kind of restrictions first started around March. And I suppose we were in an environment where we had to move online in terms of meetings and meeting couples and, you know, then booking suppliers. So it was really quite difficult and strange to move to that because booking a celebrant is quite personal. You know, you want to connect with them. You want to make sure they've got the right vibe that you've got because really that ceremony is that first introduction to your wedding. You want it to be, you know, perfect. You want it to really set that tone so it is quite personal. So I, and look, I struggled initially with the Zoom meetings and trying to, you know, I much prefer to sit at a bar and have a drink and get to kind of know my couples through that process. So, you know, I needed to do something and use Instagram in a way where I could show my personality, really kind of show some experiences from my clients and yeah, just kind of really give them that sense of, booking over Zoom or meeting someone over Zoom and then having that booking to be comfortable with that decision. So yeah, I reached out to some past couples and this was my first kind of exposure to IGTV as well because I hadn't really used it much in my business. But yeah, so I, I reached out to some past couples and asked them to do a video testimonial and just yeah answer a few questions about me and my service and yeah, just planning a wedding and finding a celebrant. So I was able to yeah do some IGTVs around that time where we were going into the first lot of restrictions. And yeah, that kind of really generated inquiries and made that kind of initial connection with the couple a lot easier because I think they they trusted what previous clients had said and going into that kind of first initial meeting, it kind of relaxed it a lot easier and it was better to engage. Yeah. And then I just started to use the stories and lives a lot more as well because I think that just really shows your personality and people really engage with you as the person behind a service or a product as opposed to, you know, pictures of a nice, you know, bouquet or wedding cake. They really want to see the person behind the business. I could not agree more as probably no surprise for my listeners, but also especially for celebrants, because like you said, they are really buying your personality and you set that tone at the wedding. So I do think it's so important that you are on video so people can see like, how do you talk? Like, what are your, what's your mannerisms like? What's your energy like? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Actually, what was the stat you shared with me around those the couples that saw your videos? Yeah. So when I started those IGTVs and the video testimonials, it definitely doubled the inquiries I got that month. Wow. Yeah. I shared them over kind of March, April. And yeah, definitely through that period where people were still booking suppliers. Yeah. It definitely doubled in terms of my bookings and also the conversion rate. So yeah, meeting with couples, generally, you know, they get that vibe from you and generally they want to book you straight away. Um, but sometimes that conversion rate would be about 50%. It was kind of 50-50. They were meeting other celebrants or they had budgets in mind. But yeah, since kind of launching those IGTVs and the client testimonials and showing up a lot more, my conversion rate went to 90%. Oh so my God. I was pretty much booking everyone I was meeting with, which was great. <laughs> yeah. So that was, yeah, a huge difference in my business during that time. That is so cool. And do you think as well that people were more invested or more serious about booking you by the time they got on that Zoom with you because they'd already felt a bit like they know your vibe, they know you? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the power of Instagram is they can see you, your personality, what you're like, you know, how you kind of write your content. So yeah, they kind of already have made that decision in their mind, taking that next step to have that Zoom meeting that we're pretty confident we're going to book, but we just do want to meet you in person and just, you know, confirm what we know about it. I love it. I love it. So what about some of the challenging times? I feel like you have just handled COVID, bloody COVID, (laughs) just so well. Is this been the most challenging time or have there been other times in business where you're just like super stressed? No, this is, yeah, this has definitely been the most challenging time. And I think when you really look at it, so we've pretty much had weddings postponed from kind of the end of March up until, yeah, pretty much the end of this year. And so I've got two weddings left that are still hoping to go ahead in November, but they've got backup dates. So it's likely they're going to, you know, push it into 2021. And what that means for those in the wedding industry is that that's that income basically moved to the following year. It's like a whole year's income lost. Basically. Yep. Pretty much. And, and what it means is those couples then take up potential peak dates in 2021 where we then can't make another booking yeah so it's essentially a whole year of income loss Mm -hmm. yeah and look some suppliers you know had different kind of policies in place in terms of postponing um you know people might be looking at additional fees because you're moving into a new year it's been quite really difficult for the whole wedding industry really and, and events but yeah it's essentially a whole year of income lost and the thing is there's no like guide this is how you do this it's kind of I imagine you just navigating well what feels fair what feels right what do you want to do for your business yeah absolutely and, and that's right these are your couples that you're going to be working with in the future so you kind of really don't want to annoy them um, <laughs> yeah, <true. laughs> because you still got to work with them in you know six months or 12 months time for when their wedding does come so Yeah, I suppose it's just about being flexible and and doing what you can, really. And, I mean, it's still so much unknown in terms of what's going to happen with weddings. So the roadmap that was released gave us a little bit of indication in terms of numbers, Mm. but nothing else in terms of venues and Mm -hmm. restrictions that they might have to put in place depending on you know, the size and capacity and capacity that they have. That's it. I know we were chatting just before we recorded about um, some weddings in other states outside of Victoria, uh, just around guests not being able to dance or leave their seat. And we're just like, oh, no. <laughs> I know. I can't imagine weddings where you can't, yeah, hug and yeah. kiss and dance and, you know, have a drink and have some canapes. It just, yeah, it does feel weird. But at the same time, it's also growing another side of weddings as well because people are like, okay, well, I don't have to have 100 plus people and uh, we don't have to have this and we don't have to have that. You know, what's important to us yeah. is, you know, to just have the, the, the small handful of people that we want exactly. and love and we want, you know, there. It reduces the cost so people aren't spending so much on weddings. So it's kind of also... I suppose, opening up a new world of kind of intimate weddings and elopements and people are being really creative at the moment with what they can do. Absolutely. I know one of my clients, uh, she she's just been 
blown away with the number of elopement inquiries she's had. And then I remember uh, one of my friends was like, Emily, I'm secretly kind of happy because she didn't want to have a big wedding, but her partner did. So she's like, maybe we can elope now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And couple, and people are taking advantage of the time to be like, you know what? We don't want to spend a lot of money. Let's use COVID as a bit of an yeah. excuse um, to still get married and have the wedding we want. But it's not because it's what we wanted to do. It's, it's the COVID excuse. Of course. That's why we can't have like the auntie half removed come to the wedding. Oh, yes, exactly. Funny. Yeah. Anna, what is something that you wish you knew right at the start that maybe would have served you well in the business? So I think for me, it was around, I suppose, investing in yourself and your business. So I kind of thought, yeah, I know what I'm doing and I'll just kind of plot along. But the busier I got, the more I kind of got stressed and freaked out a lot. So, (laughs) and I never really thought about kind of reaching out in terms of, you know, kind of programs and online communities. And yeah, I kind of looked at things and went, oh, I just don't think I'm at that place in my business yet. Mm. Do I want to spend this money to invest? And I think once I took that step to join things like the Modern Marketing Collective, I think it just, yeah, it pays off. The, the, the things that you learn kind of even from people outside of your industry and what you can do with your business, it's just, yeah, something I wish I had have done earlier. But, you know, I'm at that point now where, yeah, I can definitely see the benefits of investing in yourself and investing in your business and just going for it. I know. I think it can feel, well, I can't really talk because I was like, take my money, you program it. <laughs> so I've, I started spending quite early. But I, I, from what I hear from other people, yeah, it does sound like there is a bit of a, just a fear there. Do you think it was, like, where do you think that fear was coming from for you in terms of taking that step? I mean, the fear in terms of the money to put out there when you're starting a business, you know, you, you don't necessarily have the income that you want to, to be able to invest. But At the same time, you're not going to get that income unless you invest. That's the catch, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I think going into my first year of business, I think if I had had that mindset of, I know I'm probably going to make a loss for my first year and that's okay. And I wish I had have kind of, yeah, understood or knew that a little bit better. And it's tricky with some industries and, and this might relate to some people, but Sometimes you feel like I'm a newbie and I can't do this or I can't expand because what are people going to think, you know, or who's this new person coming into the industry and trying to do all these big things and achieve all these amazing goals. So I think once I kind of let go of that as well to think, you know, you know what, I'm a, I'm a service, I'm a professional and I don't think in some cases experience matters so much. It's, it's what you bring to the table and what experiences you might have you know outside of that industry to then bring in so I think once I yeah kind of um, spoke to some kind of business coaches and and really started to invest in the programs and and see well it's actually okay to to branch out and be a bit bold and and do something that people might go oh you know that's interesting but I think you just have to do it for yourself. You do. And I think it's really sad if if we if we aren't, if we're almost just keeping ourselves small and keeping ourselves very vanilla so we don't offend anyone, like we're just going to stay quite stuck. So I love that you you like, no, hang on, what if I try this? I want to do this. Let's see how it goes, even yeah. if it's not what everyone else is doing. That's just such a smart thing and it's what's going to help you grow like you have. Yeah. And lots of people have experience in other areas. So you know, I've, I've got a background in that kind of training and personal development. So for me, it kind of just made sense 
to branch out and start my own network so that I could use those skills that I that I had um, to be able to share with other people. So I think, yeah, if you've if you've got that experience and that passion, and if you can expand your business to incorporate that, then just then go for it. Do it. What's next for you? What are you working on now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, yeah, so I'm definitely getting into the event side of things now um, in terms of emceeing. So I did my, I did an MC gig for a big event. It was actually in March. It was the last ah, event I did. Nice. So yeah, expanding outside of weddings and, and getting into kind of the corporate events um, and social events to do some emceeing. Cool. And I had one that was unfortunately cancelled. So I'm hoping that will go ahead still next year and yeah, and kind of build that up um, in terms of the event space. And then I'm also working just with some other suppliers in the wedding industry um, in terms of building a little collective where, yeah, people can come and plan their wedding and, and have access to some great suppliers. So, yeah, very busy. I love it. I love it. And still growing your, the network and the coaching side of things, mentoring? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've got a big list of things I want to do for next year. Um, obviously, we've been quite restricted in kind of face-to-face stuff and training. So, yeah, we're doing a lot of Zoom training at the moment um, between the, the groups and bringing in some people. And we obviously had you come I in and chat. It. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, next year is definitely lots of big things for Southside Celebrants um, in terms of our own kind of professional development and lots of events and celebrating that weddings will be back. Oh, it's going to be, well, fingers crossed, going to be amazing. I hope so. I know. I can't wait for that very first oh, wedding. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we can just let our hair down and party and, yeah, it'll be amazing. Oh, it's going to be so good. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Anna. I've loved chatting with you and thanks for all that you've shared. Where can everyone go to find you? Yeah, so everyone yeah, can jump on Instagram, so at Anna Smale Celebrant, and you'll find me there. I love how we just give the Instagram now. It's so good rather than like. <laughs> pretty much, pretty it? much. I mean, my Instagram links to my website. Exactly. So you can just follow that through. Send Anna a message. Let her know that you listen to this podcast. Yeah, thanks. Thank you again, Anna. Speak soon. Thanks, Emily. Thank you for listening to The Emily Osmond Show, brought to you by my Instagram freebies, which you'll find at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave me a review, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media, and tag me at Emily Osmond so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.